Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman. And as always, you've got Mitchell Shirk and... Robbie Henney. How you doing, Mitchell? I'm all right. Um, I'm doing better than you, though, because I'm at home with uh, a little bit of normal. I'm not in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. COVID finally got got to me and Hannah and and the family, so we're all kind of cooped up here. <laughs> uh, we're all kind of experiencing it in different ways, though. I mean, I had eight hours of a... Uh, of a migraine and a little bit of a temperature on Saturday, but last Saturday, but since then I've been 100% fine. But just the way some of the protocols are, I got to work from home all week, and of course it's the nicest week of the year, so I gotta stay cooped up. And I mean, I've been going outside, but but it stinks. <laughs> Yeah, it's no fun, but, I mean, I was the same way. I mean, it did nothing for me. I mean, I went about my life in a normal fashion, minus the fact that I couldn't have face-to-face people interaction. Um, but is what it is. Did you get out turkey hunting at all? No, I haven't. Uh, Saturday, it was before I got sick, it was a washout. It was Friday, a washout. I went way. I went Saturday in that, and I was glad I had a blind. I mean, I, I saw one hen, but it was just miserable pouring. But I know people that killed yeah. birds that day. Yeah, I, I believe it. I, the one guy, one of my one of my buddies on, on Snapchat, he, he had a Snapchat up Friday and said about to get washed out. And then Saturday afternoon, it was another Snapchat of him cleaning his gun. So obviously he didn't get anything, but... Mm. But I know my dad, my 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 dad and my cousins were gonna stay up at camp early this week, Monday Tuesday. But I think it was supposed to be rain up there this week, so they didn't stay up. I think my dad might get out this Friday though. Yeah, I actually think he's gonna go up uh, and go up and hunt with us on Thursday. I think my uncle told me he might get out and yeah, and Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So yeah, yeah ho- hopefully they can connect on something. But, I mean, on to the topic of uh, turkeys, you know, one of the things that uh, has been has been a, a huge topic of conversation across the entire nation is turkey populations and how they're fluctuating. And there's so many variables. And, you know, on last week's episode, you know, I talked about some stuff in the world of farming that has 
uh, an influence on turkeys and uh, and prey species. But I mean, there's no hiding it, and there's there's no doubt that predators have an impact on on prey. I mean, it's natural. It's predator prey populations, and I feel like every year you get uh, you get into a certain part of turkey season, and guys start uh, giving the excuses of why the the turkeys aren't uh, aren't cooperating, or you're not having a good season. And you know, of course, the the, the population conversation comes in, and, and people start complaining about uh, predators being higher and stuff. And uh, I, you can't rule it out. There's there's definitely some merit to that because we do have higher prey uh, predator populations. And we uh, we get to have a conversation with Mike Dribblebess, who um, just shifted gears in his outdoor enthusiasm to predator trapping, and he kind of dives into that. Yeah, he was. He's a. I mean, he's experienced. He's a. He's a vast knowledge that he has on on trapping, and primarily, it seems like coyote trapping. Um, it seems like in the beginning he was kind of trying to trap whatever, but now coyote trapping and, and learning the, the patterns of these coyotes and, and like he talks about in the podcast, uh, getting together with, with, as he calls it, whitetail managers and, and trying to, trying to knock down the population of coyotes and help hit the, uh, the whitetail hunters and, like you just said, turkey hunters. And real quick, when when we talk about turkey hunting, I never really, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of beginner turkey hunters, we never really think about the the predator aspect of it. But like you said, it's a huge it's a huge deal sometimes, especially with with uh, in our area where the coyote population just seems uh, seems to keep rising and the turkey population seems to keep diminishing. Yeah, there's there's definitely some merit to that. Um, <clears throat> but no, great episode, and it, it's going to be something that if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're experiencing uh, you know a very variable turkey hunting season, uh, keep this in mind. I think Mike shares some great information, and it's it's a cool story just be listening to his progression of becoming a, a better trapper. Uh, the, how that you know, progression came, you know, I related it well to my deer hunting career and trying to be better and better and better all the time. And, you know, now Mike is to the point where, you know, he's trying to go in and help landowners with their, uh, their property goals in, in trying to manage predator prey relationships. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. Absolutely. So, uh, before we get into that episode, I want to make a quick shout out to people who are awesome and help make this podcast happen. And uh, we'd like to give a shout out to Little Mountain Outfitters. Little Mountain Outfitters is located in Richland, Pennsylvania. And this is a bow shop that is um, a little bit different than most. Um, I just got done picking up an order of trees that uh, I ordered through through Devon there at the shop and I got uh, some Norway spruce persimmon trees and I also got a bunch of uh, silky dogwoods and uh, hazelnut trees and I'm looking forward to putting those and implementing them on my property and, and another property that I hunt and and utilize that but it's just a, a great example of a, a, a shop that is really outdoor oriented and, and, and hunter 
property management, just all around great outdoorsman um, related. You know, you can get anything uh, from Prime and your uh, your your Hoyts, um, any any of your mainstream bows into your crossbows, and you've got unparalleled customer service there. Um, so if you're looking for a bow shop to uh, purchase your next new one or you're looking to get something worked on or you just need to um, reload with some arrows or any other archery equipment and anything you need to get ready for hunting season this fall guys be sure to check them out if you're in that area um, richland pennsylvania little mountain outfitters check them out on facebook let's uh let's get to this episode with mike Dribblebiss. i think you're gonna like it um, on the phone with us today, though, we got a pretty cool guest, um, Mike Dribblebiss. Um, Mike, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you. Um, it's always uh, always a pleasure to it's always a pleasure to talk anything hunting and trapping related, and, and uh, it's uh, it's been it's been fun doing this and learning from everybody's experiences. So, thanks for coming on, um, Mike. If you wouldn't mind, just Tell me about yourself. Um, I know you uh, you're an avid hunter and trapper, um, but yeah, introduce yourself and what you're what you're most passionate about there. Uh, I used my passion used to be uh, archery hunting, like most in Pennsylvania, I would say. Uh, but I uh, had a really good hunting area, kind of lost it, if you will say, and uh, was introduced in 2010 by a buddy. We were at a sporting goods store up in Ackley's up uh northern pennsylvania and uh we were checking out some traps for sale and he was telling me about how he used to trap and i thought it was pretty interesting and uh checking out some fox traps coyote traps and uh it so happened that year i was going to be building a house on my new property and uh we like hunting small game and i thought well it'd be neat to uh you know clean up the predators that are after the small game on my property so we can continue hunting them every year. Mm-hmm, right. So um, that's kind of how it started for me. And I, I didn't have a teacher or, you know, anybody that could help me out. I didn't have Facebook then or okay. uh, YouTube might've been around, but I didn't know how to use it. So but, I, uh, I'm going to take a guess and say like that whole, if, if you lost your, your hunting place and stuff, did that just kind of just, make you shift gears in in life and maybe had uh, maybe that was you know a negative experience and just wanted to try something different kind of yeah i uh i was pretty successful with uh whitetail hunting and uh for myself i was happy with uh some of the buck i had shot in the past and i don't want to say i hit the top because there's always bigger better buck out there but uh you know i guess it was a new challenge for me right and uh in the event you know i obviously enjoy hunting and I thought it'd be neat to, uh, help control the animals that, uh, take out the animals that I like to hunt. So for sure, instead of having overpopulation, you know? Sure. So, um, you said you had started on your own property. Um, so, you know, as this, uh, as this episode is airing here in springtime, you know, a lot of us aren't thinking about trapping right now. But now is when you see uh, the rewards of the work that you did in the fall and in the wintertime as we're starting to see, um, you know, new prey species being born, whether that's fawn, rabbits, um, you know, turkey poults, stuff like that. So I guess just 
kind of give me a briefing, like how you got started out and like what you, what you learned worked, what you learned was, uh, not working so well. And, you know, you said in the beginning, you didn't have any mentors at first. It was kind of trial and error and like kind of go through that, uh, logical progression for how you advance to where you are with, with predators now. Well, basically I, I started completely green and, uh, I, Set, you know, set a trap, and uh, I literally set it on top of the ground. I thought, well, I'll set near the woods because that's where the animals are. And uh, so I, I set a trap on top of the ground, and I put, you know, a little bit of grass on it, and I put the uh, lure at the completely wrong spot, like right at the trap. And mm-hmm. I thought I was trapping, and uh, <clears throat> I did catch, you know, it's a couple raccoon the first first year, you know, possum, uh, the dreaded skunk that nobody wants, and uh, maybe if I was lucky, I had a handful of animals my first year, and so I thought it was really neat. It was neat at that time walking up to a raccoon, you know, in the in the trap, and knew you were what you were doing was working. But uh, as time as the first couple of years went by, I I like I didn't know that you know fox and coyotes are tra- tra- actually attracted to skunk essence, and uh, so I think it was my second year or third year I actually had a trap in my backyard. And I caught a skunk, and I took care of the animal and uh, just reset the trap, not knowing that what I was resetting was actually very attractive to a canine. And uh, I think I followed up in a week or week or two, maybe. I looked out my back door, and there was a fox I had in the trap that I recently just caught the skunk. And uh, it was news to me. So I thought, wow, maybe I'm onto something, and... Uh, you know, I, I reset it again, and then I, I didn't catch a fox there again. But but anyway, it was it was a learning curve. I would say my first five years, it was a lot of uh, trying this, trying that, and did it work or didn't it? And was there was there tracks around my traps, or you know, was there scat there? Or, mm-hmm. At that time, uh, you're still kind of just going at your at at your own <clears throat> pace, kind of deal. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I would literally. Uh, when I was green, I would literally get up in the morning, you know, race out the before work with my flashlight and go check, and everything was by foot. Uh, I would walk right up to the traps, and coming into the later years here, I I was doing it all wrong if I wanted a a pre, uh, canine. But that's what I would do. I'd do a lot of walking in the morning, and uh, you know, then go to work, and and sometimes at night I would get home and I would check them if I thought it was a good spot. And, uh, and then it was, I, I don't remember the exact day or who the gentleman was, but I know it was the senior trapper. And, uh, I overheard him telling another fellow trapper about checking his line and that he, he would check him from a truck with his binoculars. And I thought, man, that's not how you do it. You know, you got to be out walking. You got to walk right up to your trap and check him and, and I kept listening, which I was glad I did, and it really hit me, you know, maybe he's on to something. Maybe I shouldn't be walking up to my traps every day. So uh, that season, I, I had a good farm, and I never caught a coyote before. I I was getting better at fox, but I didn't have it down to a science yet. And I had this real good farm, very local, that I was trapping, and I set some traps on a fence line, and then there was a fence line that was perpendicular and I set a trap there that I could literally see, you know, from a distance, but I could tell if it was active or not. And, uh, 
my first coyote that year, that trap actually sat for over a month where I didn't, I didn't touch it. I didn't catch an animal. There was no action. And, uh, I was getting very close to, you know, just frustrated. I was going to pull it. It wasn't doing nothing. And sure enough, I caught a coyote in that trap. And, uh, which I was very happy about, but it sank in. You know, I, li- I, I would have listened to that, uh, or knew that old trapper sooner and, uh, got some advice from him. You know, I may have been catching coyotes a little sooner, but, uh, it taught me then, you know, Maybe stay away from your traps. You know, once they're set, make sure you can see them, you know, so you know if they're good or not or what's in them. And, uh, but stay away as much as you can because ultimately the canines have a very good nose mm-hmm. and, uh, they're a cautious animal. So, like, you're so, the one thing I always like whenever you talk to somebody and you start a new search, whether that's somebody that's going after, you know, their first deer or their first Pope and Young or, um, you know, maybe you, you talk with someone who's an avid bear hunter and they're, they're trying to, you know, advance their quarry and trying to get better. Like you had an aha moment when you first um, talked to that older trapper and kind of went from there. I mean, can you, you know, what other like uh, steps did you go through in learning like that maybe got you ahead, whether that was did, did you network with more people? Um, did uh, social media come in to, at, at a certain point? Like, how did that look for you? I honestly, there was a local trapper, and I won't I won't say any names, but I uh, he's been doing it for years and years. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, could I just go with you one day or two days? And I said, I don't want to touch nothing. I I just want to watch. And uh, he literally turned me down. He uh, I guess because trapping is a very secretive thing for your locations, you know. Sure. And uh, scent is a is a huge thing, just like whitetail hunting. And uh, he literally turned me down, and I was I was bummed out. But it also, I guess, gave me a little drive to, uh, you know, well, I can do this myself, I guess, you know. And uh, so everything was actually, trial and error there. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, it's just timing. You know, the Facebook wasn't there, the YouTube. If it was, I wasn't on it. You know. Right. And. Um, I'd say for a good five years, at least, I was literally trial and error, and I would just, I would try everything. You know, I was make, I was trying to make my own raccoon baits, and uh, I was trying everything. And you know, if it worked, I remembered it. I maybe changed a little bit or see if it would work better. But uh, and at this point, yeah, Mike, it, like, it, is it, your, it was, sorry to cut you off there. I just had a question no that problem. came to thought. Like at this point, is your motivation coming from? you are still trying to do this because you're trying to make hunting on the places that you can hunt or your own personal property. You're trying to make that as, as good as possible. And it's just something added that you can do for fun. Or or are you at this point where you've made that switch and you're really trying to um, take on a new challenge and, and see it to the, you know, through and through. I guess, I guess the big uh, drive for me was I want to catch a coyote. Okay. I mean, first at first it was I want to catch a fox, and then uh, you know after a couple of years I did, and and then I guess the ultimate goal I guess for most in Pennsylvania would be the coyote because it's I would say in Pennsylvania it's the most uh, or the hardest maybe to catch uh, for a land animal uh, just because of their cautiousness. They're it makes them a they make them a very tough, challenging to get a get a handle on. Right. Uh, 
But it also, I mean, I would say not right away, but it didn't take long for me to notice, <clears throat> excuse me, especially at my house, uh, you know, we, we had more rabbits every year. And uh, just by taking out the nest raiders, the raccoons, the skunks, the possums, uh, that a lot of people don't realize those animals damage nests, whether it's a bird nest or a rabbit nest. Uh, they are hard on them and, uh, especially a raccoon. And, uh, I, I started noticing it really quick, just the amount of, uh, rabbits. And, you know, before long, it's like, wow, the turkeys are sticking around. You know, they would come through every now and then, but, you know, we're starting to hear them more, see them more. And, uh, it was, it was neat to see them like stick around for once and, uh, not have the pressure that they used to have. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was basically a combination of, you know, a couple of things. And like I said, when I kind of got turned down, that really kind of tipped the iceberg. And, uh, it was, it was a challenge for me then to teach myself how to catch a coyote. And, uh, <laughs> once I got the first one and <laughs> the rest was history, I was hooked. <laughs> was the, so was like that first coyote that you caught, was that like, was that a light switch um, as far as your like your learning process and how you're approaching you know trapping in general uh, I'm assuming that was probably a light switch of just fulfillment that you were able to accomplish a goal but like I'm I'm, I'm more along the lines thinking like you know you you catch a coyote and uh, you know where's where's the next step lead in your uh, your knowledge of predators because I know where you're at today you're you're trapping a, a, a pretty good line as much as you can, and uh, you have a have a pretty good um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pretty good uh, basis to put your feet on as far as uh, your your status. The word maybe in 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 the trapping world. I don't know. You know what I mean, Robbie? Yeah, I I know what you mean. Um... That's I was sort of thinking. Uh, gonna ask a question along the same lines uh, as what you're saying, Mitchell. Um, sort of what I guess is there more? I guess it's a little bit different. But is there more you learned after you kind of got the basis of it, or do you, do you, are you still using the same practices as you did when you first started? Like, okay, I got a Cody. Let's use the same thing every time now. Or has your knowledge kind of advance from that uh it definitely it definitely flipped the light switch to uh you know now i definitely got to start at this point and at least start staying away from my traps and uh it obviously made me think a lot more okay now i did this and it worked but you know now what do i gotta do to catch more it was i guess the best way to say it uh and then, too, what really set it off at that moment, uh, for me, it was like any other guy shooting a 130, 140 class buck. It was just, wow, I did it. But then uh, what made that day or week special, I would say, is I, my boy was actually off uh, from school due to a holiday vacation. And uh, I said to him, I said, if you get up tomorrow, I said, maybe we'll, maybe I'll catch the, uh, the pair, the partner of the pair. And, uh, he got up with me at three in the morning and, uh, we went there and I didn't, I didn't see no eyes bouncing around and, uh, we got out of the truck and he was wide awake. He was ready to go. And he yelled over, he said, dad, I hear one. And, uh, I said, nah, I said, I, I didn't think I saw any eyes and, but sure enough, the partner was in there. 
So uh, that that was special because he, my boy, was a lot younger. He may have been about eight years old then, and uh, just the excitement in his eyes. And uh, at that at that time in the morning, you know, when most kids are still sleeping, and uh, he was out there with me to uh, to witness that moment and yeah, you know, proud, see what it's proud all about. dad moment for sure. When you share that, oh yeah, it was. It was I'll never forget that. And uh, he has he has definitely not forgot it either. He still talks about it all the time. But uh, yeah, after, after showing him that, it was kind of like, well, I, I got to keep doing this because uh, he enjoys it. So now I got to get better at this and uh, show him some more coyotes. But uh, yeah, I mean, from that from that point, I uh, I definitely I, I started checking a lot more. I would say just from the truck. So I had to start planning my route. Uh, you know, where I could check from the road or check from a dirt road, <clears throat> whether it was binoculars or a long range, uh, spotlight and, uh, started doing that more. And then for a while I was still catching, you know, raccoons. I was still catching skunks and, uh, I was getting a lot better at Fox. And, but at the end of the day, that coyote excitement still trumped all of it. So, uh, it took me some time and, by this time, we were starting to get some Facebook. I was starting to get in some groups and okay. uh, talking more with guys. And I have, I have a good buddy. Uh, he lives down southern Berks County, and he's a really good fox trapper. And uh, him and another buddy local here, uh, we started talking a lot through uh, text and messenger and uh, just comparing stories and that. And uh, just a I would I would listen to what you know what was working for him for catching fox and then you know other people on social media by that time and I thought well this is working for catching fox maybe I should avoid this and some of my lures and my baits you know certain odors or whether it was meats different types of meats that are used in the lures or uh, different scent glands from different species mm-hmm. so I just started you know comparing a lot of things to what guys were catching what they were using and how they were what type of sets they were using to catch these animals and i tried to narrow it down the best i knew just for coyotes and uh up until it took me a while and about last year i got it that's where i'm pretty comfortable and confident of you know i can put a set out that's gonna have a really good chance of catching one right and uh Maybe not catch as many non-target animals like raccoons or skunks. And uh, last year, I, last year I was very productive on uh, keeping my coyote numbers up. My fox numbers were good, but I wasn't targeting them. And uh, I kept my kept my other critters at at low numbers, unless the landowner asked me to catch them. Then I would obviously target them. And that kind of brings me a good segue into the next part. So, like, right now as we're talking about, um, you know, prey species and hunting species, and, of course, you know, here we are, we're we're, we're, uh, midway through spring gobbler season, and I feel like you get through the first week of season and you got guys right away complaining, I don't know, there's no turkeys, they're not gobbling anymore, I don't know where the turkeys are, and, and so on and so forth. But there's definitely truth that turkey numbers have gone down, so... Um, as you've progressed in your um, trapping experience, and I know we haven't really touched a lot on maybe some of the specifics of trapping, I'm I'm really curious about um, how, as as you progressed as a trapper, how did that relate to um, maybe people coming 
forward and, and asking if you'd want to trap their property to help remove predators and, and kind of what that looked like. That's actually a, a very good question because that has, that has changed a lot recently for me, uh, catching coyote, you know, people here that you catch a coyote and then, uh, you know, they start talking a little more. And then when you catch a couple of coyotes, they really start talking. And in the last couple of years, probably three years, uh, the biggest trend for me is a, a lot of the people asking me to trap manage their deer. Okay. And what I mean by that is, you know, maybe it's a farm or maybe, uh, you know, just a good plot of land that, and they're not pressuring that piece of land. You know, they're not putting drives on, they're not small game hunting. They're just, they're literally just putting, you know, maybe food plots out or, and they're just shooting, you know, a buck or maybe a buck and one doe and, and that's all. And, uh, that's been the biggest trend the last two, three years. I call them, you know, whitetail management areas and, They've been contacting me and to come in and trap. And I know in the past, a lot of guys would say, Oh, I don't want you in scaring my deer off. And it's a big misconception. I, I check my traps at around three in the morning every morning. And, uh, I will see the game you see out at three in the morning is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I tell, I tell everybody, if you want to see what's truly out in your area, go out in the early morning hours with a spotlight and, uh, It'll blow your mind. But, uh, yeah, so I think a lot of the deer management areas are just that fed up with the coyote population that's growing and growing in the area. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just said, you know, you know what? You can come in and trap, you know, try not to disturb the deer if you can, which I mean, they really, they don't understand it because they don't see it because, you know, they're not with me in the morning, but I, I walk right by a deer if I, if I have to walk to a trap and, as long as you keep walking and they don't, they'll watch me walk back out again. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I've, that's my biggest thing. And, uh, I have, I love helping him out cause I get to see some killer bucks out there and, uh, lots of, lots of deer, uh, turkeys, the areas I'm trapping currently and that I've trapped last season, the turkey population is rebounding very well. Okay. And, uh, I actually had a really neat experience at a local farm that is known for big buck. And I took, uh, I had some target coyotes there that they had on camera that I physically saw. And, uh, I got a couple and there was just one I wanted to get. And, uh, and I, I knew I had a good handle on them and it turned out to be the female. And the day I got her, the next morning, my son and I, uh, came in to, uh, check our traps. And there was a flock of 10 turkeys and they hadn't seen turkeys for probably, I want to say a good two months prior to that. Interesting. So, uh, that was very neat. And I got a picture. I sent it to the uh, landowner, which I do a lot. I like to communicate with the landowners and keep them up to speed of what's going on in their property. And, uh, I sent that picture to him and he was so delighted to see them back again. And it turns out they stayed there. Uh, actually up to this turkey season because they had a successful hunt already that's really cool so do you have a lot more of those success stories um like people saying that they're seeing more game or or you know fawns and poults and stuff like that like do you do you get to actually physically experience that to some degree or is it kind of like um you just get um 
positive reinforcement from a landowner, and as long as you keep doing what they like, you'll just keep trapping. No, they uh, – I, I definitely get to see it uh, firsthand. Uh, for me, the fulfillment is, I guess you would say I had a guy on a deer management area, I think two years ago, he was archery hunting, you know, every day, and his son, and they kept watching a pair of coyotes run their deer off, you know, as they were hunting in the evening, the coyotes would come out, and they would just start chasing deer, and, you know, they're hunting with a bow. So, uh, they were just watching, they were just fed up with it, and I would trap his farm normally, but I wouldn't start till after, you know, rifle season or muzzle or whichever worked out. Mm-hmm. And he, he literally called me up and he said, will you please set traps? He said, we got to get rid of these two or uh, our archery season shot because they weren't moving. And uh, that that was that was neat for me because I literally went and sat set that farm. And uh, in three days time, I had the male. And on the fifth day, I had the female. And uh, for me, it was. I guess proving to myself that, hey, I can go out for a coyote and get one. And uh, it was also nice to see just uh, how excited the hunter was that, you know, I can't believe you got him that quick. Now the deer are back, you know, everything's back to normal. Now we can hunt again. Hmm. So um, that was that was, that was was definitely a fulfillment for me. And just reinsurement, you know, that I still still can do it. Yeah, that was kind of like a covert mission that you went in on in that situation. Um, <clears throat> so you, you you talked about pictures a little bit, and you talked about going in and in three days, um, you know, basically targeting. And, and you said you were targeting specific things. So um, dive into that a little bit for me because I'm really curious about that. Like I've, I've never actually heard of people saying they were targeting – um, maybe specific coyotes, and I'm sure you're able to tell them pictures because they, if you watch them enough, they're going to have special markings and stuff that might distinguish one or the other. But like, that's kind of new to me. Would Would you mind talking about that a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm not going to say I'm 100 percent right on it, but I'm. I, I still go off the, uh, you know, trial by error, and just remembering the stuff I, you know, at times I catch it, how quick I catch pairs or. You know, did I guess was it a dominant male in the area and he was just, you know, was he from another pack? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I put some trail cameras out and I'll get some good pictures on there. Uh, a lot of times the landowner will send me pictures and yeah, uh, some coyotes are definitely, you know, distinguishable. And, uh, you know, was, was that coyote there one time or was he there once a week or, uh, cause I, I pick up on that a lot more now, uh, depending how much activity I may have around my trap. You know, is there scat there? Is there tracks there? And, uh, you know, if it was only there one time in a week's time, it's probably not living there versus it's cruising through there looking for food. And it may be living on the next farm. So now I got to try and think, well, which farms it's living on and try and intercept it coming to and fro, uh, doing its hunting. And, uh, also, I mean, over the past couple of years, I've definitely gotten a pretty good handle on, you know, they hang out in pairs for the most part. It's a male, female, uh, unless you get into a heavy pack, which, uh, it seems a lot of the pack activity is along the river, uh, along a waterway mm-hmm. or in the mountain per se. So, 
you get in between those points of where the <clears throat> dense areas are of the pack, a lot of times you get, you know, maybe it'll be a female, you catch a female, and that's it for the activity. Well, it may have just been a female looking to set up her new area, okay. you know, to have pups in the future. Uh, but you can, you can catch on to a lot of habits with uh, pictures and how often they show up. And the other thing that it helps me is checking that early in the morning. I get to see a lot of coyotes that most people will never see just because of the time of the morning it is. And I'll see, you know, I'll see them running in the field or, uh, you know, maybe unfortunately I see some coming into my trap and <laughs> I send them back the other way, unfortunately, right. but that's the way it goes. But, uh, but yeah, they're definitely, they're, they're definitely a creature of pattern. Uh, I always say a coyote and a dog are very lazy and in the, in the terms of if there's a roadway, they'll run a roadway. Uh, they're not going to go running through sticker bushes unless there's a dead deer laying in there, you know? Right. They're going to run, they're going to run that roadway or path or easiest form of travel. They'll, they'll use it. And, uh, until they smell something, then they'll dive in. So for a trapper pursuing fox, coyote, uh, roadways are key. Uh, dirt lanes, farm lanes, any easy means of travel for them. And uh, a lot of times they'll follow a heavy deer trail. Okay. Uh, you had brought up about the uh, the mating pairs and knowing if it's a if it's a local dog or you know maybe something that's passing through. And like if you read a lot of the the studies that uh, researchers have done and talking about home bodies and and you know you know what a home range looks like for an established pair versus like a transient coyote that is trying to establish that like it's it's pretty eye-opening when you look at the range that some coyotes will have so my question would be you had some of those where you might have went in and and targeted specific homebody coyotes do you get quick calls you know have you seen like how quickly um a new pair will establish in that area that you might have just taken a pair out of have you have you experienced that oh definitely uh i have a particular area i trapped that where that's that's a common place uh just because it literally falls in between a water body and uh the mountain and uh so it's a high travel area for them to go back and forth because there's some farms in between that provide a very good food source for the coyotes and uh, there's quite a few deer management areas. So yeah, I've, uh, I guess my best personal experience would be it took about a week and I had a new pair move in and, uh, that was, that was brought to my attention by the, uh, the landowner, you know, with cameras and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if they're, if the food's there, they're, the uh, the dominant pair is taken out. There's going to be more coming in if they're in if they're in a general general area. Do you see that but, happen uh, in the same season a lot of the time? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yep. Especially if you're around mating season. I mean, those dogs are running. Uh, they're they're covering territory to find what they're looking for, and you know, the female the females obviously aren't going to go too far. I I had pictures this season of uh, distinguished colored females. On, in an area and uh you know two months later they were still there and i caught her and uh i would say they i don't 
my personal experience, they don't cover a lot of area unless they're looking to establish a new one. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my personal experience, I've noticed if it's working for them, they're not moving, you know. I mean, if they got food, they got uh, no pressure, they're staying there. Well, sure, and I can relate that well when you're talking about hunting mature deer. I mean, when you look at the Penn State studies, um, a mature buck has a home range of three square miles. And you think about the vastness of three square miles, whether you're talking about, um, you know, mixed habitat and ag land in southeast Pennsylvania, or you're talking about that in uh, the big woods in northern Pennsylvania. I mean, three square miles, that's a huge amount of ground. You think how... um, you know, you know, how do you even begin to hunt that? But when you narrow it down, you fi- figure out, um, you know, time of the year, uh, home range, wh- where there's pressure, where there's not pressure, where there's food, where there's not food, and so on and so forth. You really start to hone in that certain times of the year, um, ba- you know, whether it's human-influenced or whether it's food-influenced, um, you really narrow into a portion of that home range throughout that certain time of year. And it kind of that's kind of what I'm gathering when you're talking about trapping coyotes. Oh yeah, absolutely. They will, they are a very close similarity with a, a mature whitetail when it comes to pressure. Uh, they'll lay there all year long if not a soul bothers them and they got, and they still got food. And, uh, yeah, pretty much the same thing. So that, that goes together too with trapping is don't, you know, don't pressure them as you're trapping them. And that falls back on checking your traps from a distance, and it helps your success rate a lot because mm-hmm. you're not applying, any, you're not putting any pressure on them, and they're still comfortable in their environment. It just comes down to making them step on that two-inch pan, you know. And the uh, you brought up a good a good thought there um, when you talked about pressure. Um, you know, predator hunting has really taken off in popularity. And don't get me wrong, it's fun. Uh, I've been part of it and, and experienced some stuff, but uh, there's no doubt about it that if you want to actually have a have a pretty substantial impact on removing predators, that trapping is more efficient, more effective. I'm wondering, when you go throughout a trapping season from fall into the wintertime, do you feel that some of the properties that you trap on, and you know, as, as hunting pressure picks up for predators, do you feel that that influences your trapping at all, or is that not something that you really take notice of? Oh, there's, there's definitely a change, at, and it usually happens right around, I would say, uh, rifle season for deer. There's uh, a lot of trappers will tell you, you know, you know, they'll say that a lot of guys' success really drops off. Uh, mine dropped off for a long time. I kind of learned a little bit how to adjust to it, but... uh you know, when rifle season comes around, there's more people in the woods. You kind of got to start thinking, well, where did that big buck go? Or where would that big buck go? Or where would the herd go trying to protect themselves go? And uh, you start thinking those lines, it'll start opening your eyes up to, well, that's probably where that coyote went because he's following that food source. So you got you got to adapt. Uh, trapping the deer management areas, I'm kind of lucky because they're not pressuring the deer, so it doesn't really change those places for me at all uh but you get to uh an area where they drive deer or you know there's more public yeah you gotta you gotta adapt and uh definitely start thinking where they would go where that 
deer would go and uh, follow the food source for sure. That would make sense for sure. So do you find yourself, um, when you, when you talk about finding pressure and stuff, you know, I, I find myself, um, certain places that I deer hunt that I try to zoom out. You know, if you're looking at an aerial image and I might zoom out and try to pinpoint some things that I might say, this might have an influence on deer being here and, and might not. Do you find yourself, whether that's running your trap line in, in the general neighborhood and thinking like this might be an area of low pressure? Um, do you do e-scouting or, or looking at maps and, and, you know, putting parcels together and trying to put pieces of the puzzle together to expand your, your, your zone to have a greater impact? What does that look like for you? Yeah, definitely. I use, uh, I like to use that Onyx app on my phone. Uh, I can pin my traps on my locations, but it also gives me a very good aerial. And for trappers, we use, like I said, we use a lot of roads, dirt roads, and we also use fence lines or pinch points, same as a uh, whitetail hunter would mm-hmm. use. So, yeah, it definitely helps me because when you look at a map, you pinch points jump out of you pretty good and uh, or roadways, and you can start figuring out where the deer are going to go, you know, and... Wherever the deer go, the coyotes are going to go. And uh, I like to, I guess you would say, set up off the deer location and keep my trap sort of out of where that guy's going to be standing, chewing on grass, and just try and think, you know, where is that coyote going to approach from and uh, what angle is he going to take. And try, I, I, deer can, you know, deer will step in your trap and it won't do a thing to them. And mm-hmm. other than set your trap off and make it, a big goose egg for the next day when you check it. So I avoid deer at all costs and I'll just try and think where that coyote is going to be coming from and uh, hope it works out. And that way leaves the deer alone, doesn't spook them at all. And, uh, makes my success rate a little higher with coyotes. Okay. Yeah. The technology, technology is definitely helping for sure. Uh, obviously also keeps my traps where they're supposed to be on the right properties. Uh, gives me a good layout on property lines, but, uh, yeah, definitely an advantage for that for sure. I'm assuming that if you were an avid deer hunter, um, that even though you've might've made a transition and you, you're really enjoying trapping and that's been a new passion for you, I'm assuming the, the deer hunting hasn't left you. And I'm wondering, as you're talking about some of this stuff with, um, e-scouting, uh, and and on the boots, uh, on the ground, scouting, you know, fence lines, certain things like that. I'm wondering, have you learned things or picked up on things that's helped you be a better deer hunter? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, just being out at that time in the morning every single day, uh, I, I think I could probably name, give personal names of some of the deer on some of the properties. Uh yeah, I mean, you learn a lot out at that time, just seeing them every day and seeing their patterns, where they are here today and where they are the next day and, you know, the, uh, every every week thereafter and uh, how their patterns change uh, per food source and per pressure uh, definitely helps a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still, I still love deer hunting. I'd, I'd much rather watch my kids now be successful as deer hunters. Certainly. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's. For me, it's uh, accomplishing just about everything. Being out at that time in the morning trapping, it it uh, opens everything up for hunting as well. Uh, just learning more and more, and uh, 
listening to the landowners, you know, when they see them, you know, on camera or when they're out hunting versus where, what I see and when I see it and uh, where it's traveling at three in the morning, it's uh, pretty neat to relate stories back and forth. And it doesn't take long and, uh, they'll start asking me more and more where I, you know, where I seen that eight pointer, that 10 pointer. <laughs> so, uh, so it, uh, if they start to learn that I'm more of a helpful tool to them versus scaring their deer away, you know? Sure. Uh, but, uh, it took, it took some time, but, you know, it's, it's nice to know that the, the trophy deer hunters are starting to accept, uh, predator hunting and trapping a lot more. And, uh, more, the more, uh, coyotes you get rid of, the more, more whitetail you're going to have around your area. That's what it comes down to. Sure seems like it. And the, uh, one of the things that is, is, you know, pretty common, you know, we talk about, um, populations of game and how they fluctuate and the influences they have i mean everybody wants to blame the coyote you know you brought up earlier that nest the nest predators the the coons possums skunks um you know fox what have you there's there's a lot of predators out there but we've seen that major trend of um trappers just seem to be um dipping down you know with with fur prices being the way they are it seems like there's been a, a struggle to retain more trapping and therefore that might have an influence on that. Um, and I have no clue anymore what the fur market is like and stuff like that. I mean, it's changed drastically. Do you have kind of any insight on that or information you could share with us, like how you see um, the sport of trapping changing and what it's what it looks like and with respect to that? Uh, it's definitely, I mean, most people would be quick to say that you know, the trapping numbers are down. Uh, I can't personally say exactly what it is. I guess the game commission should know that by the, the amount of licenses sold. Cause I believe they started asking if you were predator hunting or if you were trapping. So, I mean, they should have a good take on that. What I see, I see a lot of activity on social media. And to me, there's a lot of people getting into the sport of trapping in Pennsylvania. And, uh, whether it's young or, you know, middle-aged people and, uh, men or women, it doesn't matter. There, there's a lot getting into it. And I think it's for the sake of just getting out more. And a lot of people want to get a coyote. And, okay. uh, and it just seems to be a lot of people's goal. I mean, obviously they want to get a fox too. Uh, that's right along the way there. But, uh, yeah. And, I mean, that's one thing with social media. It's, it's definitely helping. Uh, we gotta be careful on there not to, uh, you know, not to set off anybody on there because there's a lot of people who don't understand trapping. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I, I personally think I, it's getting better. Uh, the fur prices are not good. If you're comparing to the old days, they're horrible, but, uh, you can still get something for them. You know, you can, I tell a lot of the young guys or guys just getting into it, if you get a fox, go get it tanned. It doesn't cost much. And uh, now you got it forever. And you get a couple of fox, you can get a hat made or get some gloves made or, you know, you appreciate it a lot more. And, uh, you know, it, or you can sell them for a couple bucks or, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're into. But, uh, what I, what I also tell everybody is if you're into the sport of trapping for money, uh, just get out. <laughs> because you're not going to get the same gratitude as somebody that wants to trap to get a coyote. 
uh, yeah, I, I don't, I try not to, uh, think monetarily at all during trapping season. Uh, no matter what gas prices are, I'm still going to trap, uh, may change my route a little bit, may not. Uh, I'm in it for one reason. And, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I like getting my animals tanned. Uh, my coyotes this year I got tanned and, uh, the other year I got a bunch of fox tanned and actually, uh, I know a good guy and he, uh, made a blanket for me and you can appreciate it and you can pass it on down to your kids too. Do you do your own skinning and fleshing and stuff? Yeah, I do. I do my own, uh, skinning, fleshing and, uh, drying them out and then I'll send them out to, uh, get tanned. And like I said, it's really, it's really not that expensive, uh, at all to get an animal tanned, uh, for a fox may cost you about 15, 20 bucks. Uh, so it's not bad at all, and that's why I encourage a lot of trappers to to uh, get that. You know, if you have a fox that looks really good, get it tanned instead of selling it for. You know, fox were still low this year. They were five dollars maybe in the area here, three dollars, five dollars. Uh, once you get established, you know, you start catching a lot. Uh, you may run into some people who have a better lead for you to sell your animals. There is there's a small market out there in the craft. I guess you would call it craft area where they make the hats, they make the vests or the blankets. Uh, some of those people will pay better. Not saying it's a real high number, but they'll pay better than uh, just going to an auction. So it takes a little time, though, but there, there's people out there you can find, and they'll buy your animals off you. But, um, now, Mike, uh, kind of sorry to cut you off, but sort of no stemming problem. off what you're just saying about uh, – young guys getting into it my my brother he i mean my cousins have been in, into it for a few years now and my brother he's real he's getting really into it going out with them and trapping uh right. he's in college right now and he i don't know if mitchell knows the story but he during his winter break over christmas he uh he was seeing a girl down at school an hour and a half away and new year's eve he went down to see her well, he told her New Year's Eve, like, hey, I got to leave at 5 a.m. I need to go check my traps the next morning. And then he drove all the way back home to check his, check his traps at 5 a.m. on New Year's Day. So he uh, he got a little bit of trouble with that, but he, he seemed pretty into it. Um, and I ask everyone this, but based on what you know, the question is based on what you know, and what would you give, what advice would you give to a really beginner trapper would it be kind of perfect your craft would it be um maybe would it be try to set traps so you can check them from the road with with pressure and scent control what do you think like the number one number two thing would be advice you'd give to a beginner trapper uh i can tell you my number one thing without a doubt would be find an older trapper that's been doing it for years and ask him questions. And if you find one that wants to tell you answers, don't even talk, just listen. Because okay. that, that's your most valuable tool is you can find that guy that's been doing it 30, 40, 50 years. He is so full of knowledge. And, uh, if you got that tool, use it to the fullest and just try and remember everything he tells you. Uh, that's, that's huge anymore. And social media is good. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta sort of double guess, uh, double think everything, or is what everybody yep. putting on social media true? Uh, no, it's not. 
And so you got to sort of think for yourself a little bit there on does it even sound right or, you know, why why isn't it possible to do this or do that? Uh, but, yeah, my, my number one thing is if you can talk to somebody somehow, some way that's been doing it for years, then they will teach you a lot. And uh, yeah. they will save you a lot of time from doing the uh, trial by error. Yep. Like I had to do. Uh, that just takes a lot more time. But uh, the other thing would be hands-on. Uh, you know, you could learn 90% from that experienced trapper, but you still got to – there's so many little variations to what you can do with your set, uh, your type of set, or uh, just the way of making your set, approaching it, and how much scent you leave around. Uh, there's so many variations. So there is that percentage of where you just got to do it hands-on and uh experience it and if they don't like it they're gonna let you know and they may dig your trap up or they may you know they may leave you a, leave you a souvenir there and uh yeah but that's the biggest thing and I, I tell everybody don't be afraid to ask uh another trapper for help or you know anything i always yep i'll gladly i'll i'll gladly help anybody that i can but they gotta ask me and uh this this coming season, I had a guy, uh, he's a middle-aged guy, and he wants to catch a coyote, and he's been working hard, he's, but he's got his way up to a fox, and but he wants a coyote, so he, he came and asked me. He said, I'll give you gas money, you know, will you come up and and uh, just try and help me? I said, I'll do everything but set your traps for you. And, uh, you know, so I, I enjoy that because I want him to be successful and become a good coyote trapper because uh, – Good coyote's a dead coyote. You, so. you sparked a thought, Mark. Uh, Mike, do you ever or have you ever used trail cameras on a video mode over your sets to try to learn about the way predators are approaching your sets? Uh, I can say I have not used it on video mode, but I've used uh, in certain areas. I've used uh, I forget what the option is, maybe ten seconds, and. Uh, it would fire off, I think, a three-round burst of pictures. Okay. And that that in itself helped me to learn that uh, not everything on social media is true. Uh, I literally, for an example, I had a I had a incidental catch. Uh, I, I want to say it was a rabbit, maybe, and uh, he just so happened to hop in my trap, and so. It taught me <laughs> I had a uh, had a raccoon come into that rabbit, and I had a red fox, and that red fox took 20 minutes to take that rabbit, and he came in from every angle under the sun until wow. he was sure enough that there was I never would have thought I would have saw it, but until I saw it with my own eyes on my camera, and uh, it just it goes to show you can't predict everything with them it's nature uh anything can happen and uh some guys on social media will tell you you know you you set your trap you put your say you put a dirt hole in with some bait in there and you aim it this way you got to turn the trap this way and uh that's not true it it may help you in certain instances but you cannot predict which way that fox or that coyote is coming into your trap they're going to come in however they feel like it whether it's downwind whether it's upwind then I, uh, I literally would set traps, you know, upwind 
just to see if it worked. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And the same with downwind. Uh, there's an, there's another, uh, myth out there. If you catch a possum in a set, cause they, they have an odor to them that, uh, you won't catch a coyote. Well, I, I proved that wrong for myself a couple of years ago. And, but you'll see it all over social media. A lot of guys out there proving or saying a lot of untrue information. And, uh, I just like, like to remind new trappers, just be careful what you listen to. And, uh, that's why it's nice if you can find a guy who's been around a while. He, he probably has a lot of the myths figured out by now and uh, he can steer you in the right direction. And on that note, Mike, you are a little bit more in tuned or in depth with social media than you once were. Um, I think you have some influence on, on pages and stuff. I'm not sure what exactly those pages are or what that looks like, but would you mind sharing um, what that looks like and maybe talk about some of the stuff that you might try to be doing to help new people, whether that's just on social media, if there's events or things like that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, we, uh, I actually uh, joined a page. Uh, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but a couple of years ago, and it's, uh, it was literally, uh, out of South Schuylkill County, and it was just literally called Scoop Trappers, and, uh, it was just a small bunch of guys, and you sort of invited your buddy if, uh, you knew somebody who trapped, and it started growing and growing, and it was good, and, uh, getting some new trappers on there and trying to help them out, and, uh, it didn't take long till we got a really good, uh, good amount of guys on there, and then, the guy who runs it is, uh, Matt Brophy. He's a real good guy and he'll do anything for anybody. He, uh, had some people of interest to put, you know, like a picnic together, a rendezvous or a get together. And so we did that the one year and had a good turnout and, uh, got some, you know, face to face time with people that you've just been seeing on the computer screen. And, uh, he got to, he got to talk a little more and, uh, I think it helped out a lot with some of the newer trappers. Cause they got to, uh, really ask questions. And then, uh, we started, we did some demos and, you know, whether it was coyote trapping or, or raccoons or different types of trapping, but we did some demonstrations and, uh, we've been, uh, he's been doing it. I want to say three or four years now he's been doing that rendezvous and, uh, it's been really good. It, it's nice to see the, you get more kids. It seems every year and, you know, just watching them sit around, watching the demonstrators and uh, watching them being really paying attention to, you know, to what's going on. It's neat to see. And uh, it, seems, it seems to be really working good because there's a lot of members now anymore. And it's literally just a bunch of guys learning about trapping and trying to get better at trapping. What uh, all do you go through in the in a day where you would have that rendezvous, so to speak? Uh, it's literally just just a get together. Uh Good, good old fashioned food and cook out and, uh, do some old fashioned, uh, games and, uh, a couple vendors there. The guy who runs it, Matt Brophy, he, uh, he owns Epler's, uh, trapping supplies now. So he, uh, he'll set up a stand and, uh, we'll do a lot of giveaways. There's some good guys in the group and, and they'll, uh, they'll donate a lot of new traps and new supplies and whatever. And, uh, it helps. We get a, a lot of the kids. I want to say every kid that shows up there pretty much leaves with a decent amount of traps and end trapping supplies. And, uh, so they're set and ready to go. It's just a matter of, uh, little help and guidance in the woods. But 
Yeah, they usually usually get about four demonstrations maybe each each year. And uh, Brian Mona, very experienced, talented local trapper. He was there I think last year and the year before. And uh, it's nice to listen to him talk. He's full of knowledge, and uh, it's it's obviously great for a young trapper or new trapper to uh, be able to listen to a guy like that with uh, so much experience. Certainly. So. Yeah, it's a it's a great thing, and uh, that group even tries to help out. Uh, you know, anybody local uh, will do charities and rap or Matt will do charities and raffles and uh, try and help out. You know, local uh, whether it's fire victims, you know, they lost their house or uh, try and raise money for you know local people in in need. Uh, but other than that, I mean, besides that group that I'm in, uh, Pennsylvania has a nice trapping page. Uh, the PTA, Pennsylvania Trappers Association, they have a good page for, uh, for trappers, whether you're experienced or you're unexperienced. You can go on there and you can learn a lot. Uh, like I said, it, it's, all, all the knowledge is out there. It's just, uh, just gotta separate some of the, uh, the BS out there and, uh, realize what's true and what's not. Sure, there's uh, there's a lot of that out there in 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 all topics, so to speak. I mean, it's right. sometimes it's really really hard to uh, find the context behind the topics that you're talking about. You know, the example right. that I give in so many cases is, you know, uh, of course it goes to whitetails. I mean, people, you know, that's the most widely spread um, hunter across the country is whitetails, and you'll Absolutely. you get a lot of great information out there and it might be coming from a location in the country that you know maybe the thing they're talking about is not quite so relevant to where you're at or the time the time of the year or or whatever so i mean finding that context is hard but that can be extremely hard to figure out that context and really uh dissect the meaning of what that person is is trying to say when you're just getting started out and you're just you're just starting to follow uh facebook so you know whether it's a Facebook page or a YouTube channel or something like you want to be a sponge and take as much of that in there. And, uh, it's sometimes hard to weed out the bad, so to, you know, so to speak, but, uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we run into that too with trapping. Uh, try to tell a new guys, don't, uh, somebody's on there, say from Arkansas and they're posting coyote pictures every single day. They're catching them. Uh, it's a whole different breed out there. And a lot of, a lot of the guys that have been around a while will tell you the same across the country that uh, the Northeast Coyote is pretty much the hardest to get a hold of. Uh, it's just the way it works down in the Midwest and the South. Uh, the population is much higher of coyotes, so there's a lot more demand for them to be out looking for food, and it obviously makes catching them a lot easier. So the numbers are down there, so those guys are going to bring in a lot more coyotes versus the trappers up in the northeast uh do you think it's so people we, influenced we, as well uh as for the amount of people that are trapping uh amount of people that are trapping and maybe even just the amount of people pressure given region in the country yeah definitely uh with the amount of fields they have out in the midwest and uh the thickets down south it just it provides a great area for coyotes to roam hunt food and uh, hide out. So I, th- I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, the Northeast is jam-packed, as we all know, So uh, with people. So 
Yeah, they don't have as much room around here. They're definitely going to be a little smarter on the domestic side because they're dealing with people a lot more. Right. And uh, they they figure out where they got to hide out. And yeah, I, I would imagine that it leads to a lot of the uh, the difficulty of uh, catching them up here. I'm sure. Robbie, you got any uh, any thoughts for Mike? No, I was just sort of sort of my uh, sort of stewing on what he was talking about with the uh, the rendezvous getting together. Everything that I, he was saying, I was just thinking of my cousins and my brother, and then uh, one guy that I work with. He he traps, and it seems like there's a lot of different. It's more of a comment than a question, but there's a lot of different ways you can go about trapping it seems as if if you're an experienced trapper and sort of know what you're going after know what you're doing there's sort of one two three different ways you can go about it but uh but like mike said everything i think stems from from knowledge at first talking to experienced guys uh kind of if you can find that experienced guy you can bypass the the trial and error part of it. Um, Mike, real quick, I guess my only my only question is, uh, I know your biggest thing coyotes, but did you ever venture outside of those and venture outside of fox and try to go after any beavers or anything like that? Uh, I never I never got into uh, beaver trapping. I do think it's very interesting, very cool. Uh, yeah, the only more... the only reason I ask is because my cousins they up in, up towards our cabin up in Cuyahoga County they they trap beaver and I just didn't okay. know if you had any knowledge on that if it's if it's different than coyote trapping and fox trapping obviously there's a little bit of a variation there but if it's the there's, same thing there's definitely some knowledge. similarities yeah there's definitely similarities and there's definitely uh some the huge differences there's a lot of Definitely a lot of technicalities with uh, water trapping. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a huge thing. Uh, you don't want to give yourself a bad name with trapping. So definitely a lot of rules and technicalities to follow. Yeah. Uh, when, yep. when it comes to water trapping, it's definitely huge to find that older trapper because that trapper was around in the 70s and, you know, early 80s when water trapping was at its boom. And, uh, yeah. Those guys are out there, and my best advice is find them and just listen and listen and listen, and uh, they'll give you a lot of help on water trapping. Uh, I myself am far from an expert on water trapping. Uh, hopefully one day I'll have the time and uh, be able to venture into it a little more and uh, get into it. Uh, I think it's neat. Uh, we Unfortunately, we don't have many beaver around here. There's there's a couple. Yeah, no. Uh, but I, I would have to travel a decent amount of ways to get to a good population. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is a lot of guys don't realize is the mink population is uh, mink and fisher are definitely coming around a lot more. And uh, a lot of people don't realize the damage a fisher will do. And mm. they are they are very, very destructive. And they will wipe a turkey population out in a hurry. Very and, fisher uh, predators. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully in the future we can get some better. Uh, well, I shouldn't say better, but uh, maybe we can be allowed to catch a couple more than just one a year, because uh, they, a, lot, a lot of guys will blame uh, other animals on the turkey population, but 
a fisher is right up there with the coyote and the fox on taking out a turkey population. That's interesting. And they'll, they'll do and it I, quick and they'll do it some fun. I wonder if there's anybody out there that we could chat with that would have knowledge on what a more about a fisher because that is a relatively newer species here um, in Pennsylvania in the last you know decade or two, and they are really fascinating creatures. But yeah, they are vicious predators. Oh yeah, I tell every I tell every farmer I said if you get a fisher around, I said. Uh, you're you're in for some problems because they're I call them the Pennsylvania Wolverine. Mm-hmm. They will uh, they'll literally come in if you got food. They'll come in for your food, and when you run out, they'll move on to the next place. Mm-hmm. They uh, they're ruthless, and uh, they're they're neat. They're a neat animal that by far, yeah. But uh, they'll do some serious damage, unfortunately. Mike, we hit an array of topics. Um kind of the the evolution of of your trapping kind of talking about your your goals talking about strategy we talked about helping young trappers i mean is there anything you want you else you'd uh, you'd like to share with us or, or kind of touch base with us before uh, before we let you go i guess my only other thing is the biggest misconception is uh a trap that we us trappers put in the ground out there does not does not and is not meant to hurt the animal uh trap is just meant to hold an animal that's all it's meant for uh even up to the coyote traps the legal size coyote traps that are allowed in pennsylvania i'll stick my hand in one any day it yeah it'll make you jump uh but it, it truly doesn't hurt it's it's just a holding device is all it is and uh a lot unfortunately a lot of people don't realize that they think you know we're putting traps out and it's the animals in pain the whole time it's there's a lot of bad misconceptions about it, and uh, like I said, I'll stick a finger in, I'll stick all my fingers, I'll stick my whole arm, and I don't. It it just holds you is all it does. Uh, and the new technologies, the new ways that are coming out of trapping, just makes it even better. Just the improvement of putting more swivels, uh, allowing that animal to move more freely in the trap, and uh, even the traps themselves are being made to. Uh, be a little more forgiving on the hides because at the end of the day, a lot of guys are all about the hide. So, uh, there's always improvements on them. And, uh, like I said, that trap is just holding the animal. It is not, uh, not breaking bones. It's not doing all that other stuff that some people think. Isn't, so, uh, isn't the largest trap you can use in Pennsylvania number four? Uh, it goes off. I don't want to say that because there's different brands and it'll depend on the jaw. It, comes down to the jaw size okay and you're and uh there's a measurement on that and that is located in the in the game regulations and uh just because it's a bigger trap doesn't mean it's any better uh that can be kind of a misconception by a younger trapper uh you can use a pretty small trap and hold a coyote you catch a catch a coyote by a toe it doesn't matter what size you're probably going to hold it there and it ain't going to move uh so yeah, there's those are some of the technicalities, uh, trap size, but uh, yeah, Pennsylvania has their size, and that that's what you got to follow. And they also have their uh, their regulations on cable trapping, and uh, a little more detail, but you got to follow those too. And uh, even a cable trap uh, it doesn't kill the animal; it just holds it. It's called a cable restraint, and it it just restrains the animal. That's all. I was just think, uh, I was just thinking about when I used to d- tinker with some traps and mess around with some Duke number threes. 
Um, I, that makes me – you saying that it's not a big deal, that just makes me feel like a wimp, man. I, I, I had a couple snap on me. I'm like, man, it, I, I don't think I'm going to mess with Mike. Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, if you put your fingernail just in between the jaws, you'll, you'll feel a little different versus uh, putting your whole fist in there. But, uh, no, it, uh, back in the day, way back, they used to have teeth on traps, and, you know, they were a little bit different animal, and it's come a long way, and – Nowadays, I mean, there's actually guys are starting to do a lot of videos of just sticking their hand in a trap just to just to prove to people that, you know, we're not out breaking bones on animals or just holding them. Right. And uh, and in the same sense, uh, there's a lot of guys out there, most experienced trappers, you know, if they're out for fox and they catch, you know, say they catch a raccoon and they don't want that raccoon, they're not out after that. They'll uh, they'll use a catch pole and or they may use a bucket or a blanket and. They'll release that animal, and that animal runs away just fine. Uh, I've caught my own dog a couple times, and uh, he, he was a little scared, but uh, he was perfectly fine. He didn't have to go to the vet or nothing. Mm. He uh, just scares them. You know, they're not used to that. Sure. Just as a, just as a human ain't used to it, if they put their hand in a trap, you know, it's going to scare you a little bit, but it's not going to hurt you. Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and chatting, trapping with us. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, one thing we didn't really talk about was getting into the nitty-gritty uh, details, maybe, of, of strategy in that. And I think that's something we should save for a later time, closer to uh, trapping season this fall. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And uh, being in the season, that would probably be, be a good time, and then I could uh, – give you a little bit a uh, little more not uh, info on what's going on currently and uh what's working and uh a little bit more on strategy at the current time i think uh i think if my deer hunting is slow i wouldn't mind tagging along and kind of seeing what a what an average day on the trap line looks like for you oh absolutely i have uh i actually have a couple people and uh two of them aren't even hunters trappers outdoorsmen nothing they just they think it's neat just to come along and just uh, experience what goes on. Very cool. So, yeah, yeah, you're definitely invited anytime. And uh, it's an open invite to anybody that wants to learn trapping. I'll gladly help whoever I can. So last last <laughs> thing, uh, when it comes to your trapping and social media, is there any places that people can uh, see the trapping you're doing? Like you have a um, like page or post on any of those uh, Facebook pages or what that looks like? <laughs> Uh, I just have my personal page. Uh, I'll, I'll post uh, as much as I can on there without uh, a lot of pictures will get stolen on Facebook and uh, turned around and used against us. So we're kind of careful as to what we post. Some guys may not post nothing, but uh, I'm not about that. Uh, I'd like to post some things to at least educate or uh, help out if possible or make people aware of what's out there. Sure. Uh, so... A good one to go to is Scoop Trappers, S-K-O-O-K, Trappers. Uh, we try and keep that as monitored and as private as possible, but we also welcome new members. So it's a great place to come on and see a lot of videos. Uh, the guy who runs it will post videos of his catches, what he used, uh, what kind of set. It's a very valuable learning page to be on as a new trapper. And... Uh, it's a good place for an experienced trapper to go on to and share his knowledge. So I, I would invite anybody uh, getting into it or wants to get into it and see what it's all about. Uh, definitely join that page and uh, 
and, and uh, you'll get a lot of knowledge out of it. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks again, and hopefully we can do this again uh, getting into trapping season. Thanks, right. Mike. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. We'll see you.